Hello, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. Hi, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I'm the Fiscal Feminist. I'm also a managing director and partner in the Bonson Group, a wealth management firm with offices in Newport Beach, California, and New York City. Attention all women. It's time to stand up for yourself in the workplace. Stand up, speak out, stop apologizing, and have a plan at work because nobody else is going to do it for you. It is time for all women to understand that the best advocate for them is themselves. Forget about all those anachronistic ideas about how women should behave that we have mentally internalized over the generations. All the things that we've heard from our parents, our grandparents, all the TV shows that we watch, all of those things are out there kind of infiltrating our brains. So we got to forget about those old-fashioned notions. And we need to stop letting fears, self-doubt, and lack of confidence keep your goals low. Don't fear failure. And embrace the fact that success comes from failure and persistence. So this all sounds good, but exactly how are we expected to do this? Well, now that I have your attention, let me elaborate. There are many elements that affect our career trajectory, our job satisfaction, and our compensation. We need to be proactive in crafting our strategy and confidently advocating for ourselves in the workplace. Women face certain challenges in how we negotiate and present ourselves, beginning with we can be viewed as unlikable, pushy, or strident when we are negotiating and advocating for ourselves, whereas men are frequently praised for these very same qualities. We have a tendency to underestimate our professional value and have been socialized to avoid assertiveness and to be perfect and compliant. So let's talk about self-confidence and gender stereotypes. Researchers believe that gender stereotypes hold women back in the workplace and further cause women to question their own abilities. These historical stereotypes have become embedded in our psyches, and we as women may actually believe they are true. What? According to a 2019 Harvard Business School report, women make up half the workforce. They earn 60% of advanced degrees. Yet, they bring home less pay and have fewer C-suite positions, especially in technology and finance. Department of Labor statistics state that women represent only 26% of U.S. workers in computer and math jobs. Women are shying away from the STEM professions. That would be professions in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics often even when they are high achievers, due to lack of confidence, and instead they are buying into the stereotypical belief that men perform more strongly in science, math, and technology. Harvard Business School assistant professor Catherine B. Kaufman says, This weak self-confidence may hold some women back as they count themselves out of pursuing prestigious roles and professions they believe they won't excel in, despite having the skills to succeed. So even if they have the skills to succeed and have proven themselves, they still hold themselves back, and and women do themselves a great disservice by doing that. So clearly, we as women need to work on our self-confidence and self-belief. In the book, The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know, the authors discuss the distinction of competence 
and confidence. They say that confidence is the purity of action produced by a mind free of doubt. According to their research, even when women are very competent, they tend to dwell on failure and their mistakes more than men do, and they let setbacks linger longer than men do, which undermine their confidence. So we can't hold on to these mistakes or some type of failure. We've got to let it go and move on. Their research revealed that men tend to tilt toward overconfidence and on average rate their performance to be 30% better than it actually is. They referenced a study conducted by Hewlett Packard, which was conducted to figure out how to get more women into top management positions. The authors of that study found that women working at HP applied for promotions only when they believed they met 100% of the qualifications for the job. The men were happy to apply when they thought they could meet 60% of the job requirements. That's very interesting. I mean, women have to be almost perfect before they'll go for it. The upshot is that women feel confident only when they are perfect. We are setting impossible standards for ourselves, and it is penalizing our professional growth. Good is good enough, ladies, and it is better than perfect, because perfectionism is not striving for excellence, but being impaired by it. That is a quote by Gustavo Rossetti, and I think it's pretty accurate. Let's focus on being good enough and daring to compete, because essentially confidence is the characteristic that distinguishes those who imagine and dream from those who do, those who actually take action. So how do we address the likability bias? How do we trade agreeableness for assertiveness without being viewed as demanding and unlikable? According to a 2016 study published in the European Journal of Work and Organizational Psychology, Agreeable women are compensated less. However, when women trade their agreeableness for assertiveness, they can be viewed as unlikable and demanding. When a woman asserts herself, she is often called aggressive, ambitious, or out for herself, as opposed to when a man does the same and he is seen as confident and strong. So this is quite a conundrum indeed for us. So here are a few tips for confronting bias and asserting your opinions beliefs and ideas with confidence. First, stop apologizing. This kind of language steals the focus from your accomplishments and makes your arguments personal. If you're in a position to speak up for yourself, remember, you're not asking for a personal favor. There's no need to make excuses for your request. I think we as women like to apologize because we don't want to, you know, impose on anybody. But you're not, if you're in the workforce and you're doing a good job, you're not asking for a favor. You're asking for something that might be rightfully due and owing to you. Practice being assertive. The easiest way to do so is when the stakes are low. So get comfortable standing up for yourself over the little things and it will gradually become second nature in other parts of your life. Frame your arguments communally. Research has found that women have an easier time negotiating when they're advocating for other people. State how your request or argument is in the best interest of the company or your department. Ask for feedback. Preemptively and regularly ask for feedback from supervisors and management. The goal is to show your employer that you want to do your job better and then execute on it. Commit to improving, then check back a few months later, having made those improvements. Go back to your manager and say, how am I doing? And then get the most out of meetings. 
Compared to women, men tend to talk more and make more suggestions in meetings, while women are interrupted more given less credit for their ideas and have less overall influence. Work towards actively engaging in meetings and conversations. Don't be invisible keeping your valuable and worthy opinions to yourself. Speak up with confidence. You don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to be loud. You can be firm and confident. You have something worthy to say. Don't let everybody overshadow you because you just feel timid about speaking up. Speak up. It will benefit you. The next thing I want to talk about is negotiation. Know your worth and negotiate. In Barbara Stanley's book, Secrets of Six-Figure Women, she lists traits of under-earners or women who undervalue their earning potential. These traits include a high tolerance for low pay, a willingness to work for free, and live in financial chaos. What? Are you kidding? Who works for free? Harvard Law School research states that deeply ingrained societal gender roles are the root cause of the gender gap in negotiated outcomes. Women are expected to be accommodating and concerned with the welfare of others, more relationship-oriented. These characteristics clash with the more assertive behaviors required for successful negotiations that are more in line with societal expectations of men, such as being competitive, assertive, and profit-oriented. As a result, many women are uncomfortable and reticent to strongly negotiate on their own behalf and are fearful of a backlash in the workplace if they do so. Analyzing the most recent Census Bureau data from 2018, women of all races earned on average just 82 cents for every $1 earned by men of all races. The calculation is the ratio of median annual earnings for women working full-time year-round to those of their male counterparts, and it translates to a gender wage gap of 18 cents. Research also suggests that 20% of women never negotiate at all. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. A woman who opts not to negotiate her starting salary upon graduation will forego an average of $7,000 in the first year and will lose between $650,000 and $1 million over the course of a 45-year career. I hope that you really heard that and took notes on that. I'm actually going to say it again. A woman who opts not to negotiate her starting salary upon graduation will forego an average of $7,000 the first year and will lose between $650,000 and $1 million over the course of a 45-year career. So, do you want to potentially lose a great deal of money over your lifetime because you are uncomfortable negotiating or are afraid of a backlash? Not negotiating has a real economic cost that can be a game changer to your standard of living throughout your life. I think that statistic is just, just blew my mind when I read it. And so we really have to get our negotiating hats on um, because there's money being left on the table that n negatively affects our lifestyle uh, throughout the course of our lives. So let's make negotiating the norm, not the exception. It is up to each of us individually to take responsibility for advocating and negotiating for ourselves. We need to capitalize on experience and training to reduce the gender gap in negotiating skills. According to a Harvard Business School report, women achieve more favorable outcomes at the bargaining table with more negotiating experience because they develop a greater sense of negotiating protocol and they shed the traditional gender expectations as they gain more experience. That makes sense, right? 
The more you do, the better you get at it. So a few pointers in general negotiation are, don't let a lack of power get to you. A lack of objective power can harm one's sense of psychological power with detrimental effects on their outcomes. So use visualization to bolster performance and outcomes at the bargaining table by thinking about the times when you have had power in a negotiation. So remember the mindset that you had in that moment and try to apply it in the situation that you're in at the negotiation table. Do take practical steps to boost your power. Even as you work on enhancing your psychological power, there are steps you can take to improve your actual power at the bargaining table by taking a proactive approach being prepared to make mistakes initially and learning from them as opposed to being deterred by them, and practicing your negotiating skills as much as possible, even with family and friends. You can role play with your friends and your family because the more you do it, even if you're role playing, the more you get used to it. It doesn't seem so foreign. Stand up to a hard bargainer. These are the toughest negotiators that make everyone want to retreat. Don't be intimidated. Rather, have your facts in order, be confident, and state your case. You can get a free report from the Harvard Business School on negotiation skills. It's called Negotiation Skills, Negotiation Strategies, and Negotiation Techniques to Help You Become a Better Negotiator. And you can find that if you go on the internet. And if you read my blog, the link is in the blog. Here are a few tips on how to tackle salary negotiations. Quantify your accomplishments. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Knowledge is power. Put a number on your contribution to your workplace. If it's possible to put a dollar figure to these accomplishments, do it. Research the typical salary range in your field and reference these facts during your negotiations. So have your knowledge to hand, have the facts to hand, and then you will have a very solid argument or position in your negotiation. Bring documentation. Don't rely on memory or management to simply trust that you're being underpaid. If you believe you're being paid below the market rate, you might print out salary information from similar positions and companies. If you believe you deserve a raise based on merit, you might save an email thread about your last workplace achievement. So again, build your case with facts, with documentation. Show improvement. Here's where collected feedback about your work and your progress comes into play. Implement the feedback and improve your skills, then follow up and prepare to make your case. So, This is a journey. We need to stay the course and we need not to give up. In order for women to begin closing the gender equity gap in their professional lives, and frankly all aspects of their lives, they have to take responsibility for themselves and enhance the skills needed to compete and level the playing field. Nobody's going to do it for us. And once enough of us start doing it, we can change the norm of viewing assertive, confident women as pushy and belligerent to strong and courageous. You know, how men are characterized now when they stand up for themselves. And we will also then be deemed effective negotiators. We must gather our confidence, recognize our strengths, and have the courage to negotiate on our own behalf and not give in at the slightest of pushbacks. We can be confident in our own authentic way. We don't have to mimic men and act like men. We can act like our authentic selves and still be effective negotiators. So let's be confident in our differences and let's go out there and stand up for ourselves and negotiate. Thanks for listening to me today. I look forward to the next time. Have a great week. The 
Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.